Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. So, Paul Hamilton's with me here. Good evening, Paul. Hello, how are you? Pat Malacaro as well. Hi, Brian. Hi, Pat. And uh, we're obviously going to talk about the state of the team here as uh, the Sabres enter tonight 10, 12, and 2. We are going to hear from Dylan Cousins, who, if you didn't hear his post-game interview last night, was pretty animated and pretty honest and pretty, I guess I would say, upfront about what he needs to do. Uh, but, Paul, just a quick thought on the game last night. You were in Raleigh for the game Um Obviously, once Carolina got on the board, I mean, it was they pretty much ran the Sabres right out of the building. It was an utter embarrassment. For 15 minutes, it wasn't. The Sabres were playing pretty well. Uh, it was an even game. Everything was going well. I agree with Eric Comrie. He should add that first goal. As he said, if he would have made a couple of big saves early, maybe the whole thing would have been different, and I agree. Maybe it would have been different. But after the two goals went in by Carolina, it was like they packed their bags and left. They're like, oh. I guess this is over. And they played like it was over. I mean, and, and there are a lot of problems that we'll get into that I see with this team, but it's nowhere near like it was last year. I think they just thought they were going to pick up right where they left off, not realizing that one season to the next is different. And right now this is a very bad hockey team. And it just seems the thing that surprises me the most, we'll get into it more later, is the inconsistency is where you, you'll have a night like you do against the Rangers. Where you go and you play so well against New York, and you're coming off a bad loss in New Jersey the the game before. You maybe think, all right, they've learned from their their mistake. They they're maybe going to figure it out. This is the same team that used to score five, six goals almost at will last year, and then they play well against the Rangers, and then you have a you follow it up with a couple of games where again you go back falling into those same habits. To me, that is the surprising part right now is that this team which is by and large the same team as we saw last year, a couple of minor changes here and there, some on defense. But this is the same team that didn't have this really happen to them outside of November last year on that long losing streak. It wasn't inconsistent. They were just not consistently good in that stretch. This year the inconsistency surprises me the most. And they all talk about how much they like their coach, and I'm not doubting them. I don't think they're lying or giving us a line, but they don't play like they like them. And and that's what just I, I don't get. Because, I mean, here you are. You beat Colorado 4 to nothing. You beat Tampa Bay earlier in the season. You go out and win in Toronto. Win in Toronto. You yeah. beat the New York Rangers 5-1 to one when they're the best team in the National Hockey League. They have shown in the last, last year and the first quarter of this year, time and time again, when they play the way Don Granado asks them to play, they are a darn good team. And they are hard to beat. 
when they play that way, whether Tate Thompson is in the lineup or not. When they play that way, they are difficult to beat. But they hardly – and I just don't understand. Why don't you guys get it? Why don't you guys get it that, you know, not turning the puck over, playing good D, getting into transition fast, using your speed to push the play, uh, that's how they gain the blue line because the other defense now has to back off and get pucks and players to the net is the recipe for success. That's the way he wants them to play, and they just don't do it. And, Pat, what's interesting is probably one thing that you and I spent a lot of the preseason talking about was, well, Kevin Adams didn't change any of the goalies in terms of the same three that were there that they finished with, and we thought that would be a major storyline and maybe even a hindrance early until we thought maybe Devin Levi would get his leg going. Well, he obviously has been sent to Rochester. The plans changed, but in some sense, if you – Look at it as a whole, through 24 games, it hasn't been goaltending as the reason why they are where they are in the standings. No, you're right. And, you know, we were talking as a group right before the start of the year, all right, what, what do we think the Sabres should do in goal, and do we think that they should move one of the goalies out? And I was firmly in the camp of they probably should get down to two goalies one way or another, whether it was trade or sending someone to Rochester. But it wasn't Devin Levi in that conversation, yeah. to your point. It was who was going to pair with Devin Levi. And Uko Pekalukkanen has played very well. I mean, there's no denying that after getting going, he has maybe been the team's talk about consistency. He's been maybe the the person you can point to as maybe consistent. But you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think this St. Louis game might be his only bad game this year. Sure. Am I wrong? No. I I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the only game that I thought he did not have his best Yeah, now (laughs) it's kind of coincidence that Levi goes down and Lucan and Comrie both put together back-to-back bad games. Uh, Comrie, eh, his season's been okay, uh, good enough. But uh, looking in, that was a bit of a surprise in St. Louis, uh, you know, that he had that game. It's going to happen in 82 games. And, of course, I, I get all these – I get hundreds of messages how they have AHL goaltending. He messed up one game, one, but all of a sudden he can't play anymore. I mean, wait until, you know, he messes up maybe five or six games and doesn't look like he looked earlier in the season before you start calling him an AHL goalie again. Paul Hamilton, Pat Malacaro, me, Brian Colziel, we're here uh, at our Sabres pregame roundtable. And I think we're all in agreement that right now, if you know, if we were going to rank where the issues lie, a lot of it is the lack of consistency with their offense and their power play and the fact that they're not able to really gain any edge when they're on the man advantage uh, even last night, they give up a shorthanded goal when they're trying to come back here at this point. So uh, the offense and all these players last year that maybe took it up to another level, Pat, or raised their game, and we're going to hear from Dylan Cousins here right after your thought here. He's probably right at the top of the list of players on offense that have really, really either plateaued or gone backwards or really been counted upon to be in a huge role, and they haven't come through. And I don't think it was fair to expect – this, maybe the same level of production from every single player that had a career year last year, whether it was someone as young as Dylan Cousins or Tate Thompson did last year, to expect them to meet or exceed that. But I do think it is fair to, to expect more at the start of the year. And that's the thing to me, when you look back at, at why they haven't put games together, it's because the players have not offensively, it took Alex Tuck uh, quite a while to get his first goal. He finally got going. You, you look at what, what the offense and how they've gotten it done, and it's a lot of those key players from last year that just over the first month of the year, if they scored one goal, they didn't follow it up with multi-point or goal games after that. And that is, to me, part of what is surprising about the inconsistency. 
All right, so Dylan Cousins, one of the players we mentioned here. We want to follow up and get uh, Pat and Paul, and I'll share my thoughts as well on what Dylan Cousins had to say last night. Uh, this is following the 6-2 defeat in Carolina. Paul and uh, other members of the media speaking with Dylan Cousins, so let's hear the postgame interview uh, from last night here from just a few minutes. south the way they have the last month or so to this level yeah um you know i felt like we had a good start right away and then i make a mistake on the face off and it's in the back of the net and then all of a sudden we're down a couple of goals just like that so um you know we found ourselves down a lot to start games and it's it's tough to chase like that and uh, we know we need to be better for right from the start and play full 60. There was a lot of pushback in St. Louis every time they scored a goal. You guys seemed to have a good shift. There wasn't that really there tonight. Is that one of the biggest frustration parts of this game? Yeah, I mean, they, they play a, a very tough game. It's tough to get anything going against them. And uh, I think, um, you know, there's times we tried to get it in behind them, but we're just not connected on the four checks. So they break it out easy. And then, you know, we get hemmed in our own zone for a couple minutes at times. Um, you know, it's just it's not acceptable by us. We know we need to be way better, and uh, you know we can say that all we want, but it's about time we go out and actually do it. The compete level definitely was there for 15 minutes. It was high, but it just seemed like after the two goals, it seemed like it dipped again, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, like I said before, I think we had a good start, and then one mistake, it's in the back of the net, and then you know there's more goals. They just keep coming, and they gain momentum, and you know it's a tough rink to play in, and um, you know they gain momentum fast, and uh, you know, we got to be able to bounce back and forget about that goal quick, and uh, you know, just keep pushing. How much do you feel? How much do you feel the answers are in this room, and how much do you guys need some help? We know the answers are in this room. Um, you know, we we dominated many games last year, and uh, we haven't quite found that yet. And um, you know, we don't have that offensive swagger we had last year, where you know, uh, we're just going to go out and score score goals. We're not going to wait for them to make a mistake. We're going to make our own scoring chance. We're going to make something out of nothing. And that's that's what we did a lot last year. Lots of lots of goals off the rush and lots of goals out of nothing. And we haven't quite found that yet this year. And um, it's frustrating for sure. Um, yeah. Do you guys need to get angry as a group? Yeah. Um, I think we definitely play way too soft. Um, we're too easy to play against. And we need to get a little FU in our game. I think um, we had more of that last year. Uh, and we. We're way too soft this year. Um, I feel like we don't kill plays. We kind of get bullied and stuff. And, um, you know, we need to be way harder to play against. We're way too easy to play against right now. How does that change? Just, um, you know, we need to be, we need to go in and, you know, look at each game like this is our game. This is, this is our game to win. We're not going to give you guys a chance. We need to finish more checks, be harder to play against, stronger in puck battles. We need to kill plays in the defensive zone. And, uh, you know, we just, we got to be way harder to play against. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan Cousins on the postgame. Brian, back to you. Okay, that was Dylan Cousins from last night following the loss in Raleigh to the, to the Hurricanes by that 6-2 to two margin. And obviously some, uh, some pretty strong words there, Paul. And then we just want to follow up the fact that you actually spoke with Cousins even a little bit more after that conversation. Yeah, I walked out with him. He, he asked me if he could walk out with me and said, you know, he didn't want to retract anything that he said. He meant what he said. But he said, I do want to stress that it all starts with me. I'm not doing well enough either. I'm not playing good enough. I have to be better, and it starts with me. It's not, I'm not blaming anybody but myself. 
He goes, we're in this as a team. So he wanted to be sure he had said that to me. So there was no misunderstanding that he was trying to place blame anywhere other than himself and them as a group. And I think it's important for a young player like Dylan Cousins to recognize it and want to learn from it. Now it's one thing to, to do that, and then now it's another thing to do it on the ice as well. And I do think Cousins will respond on the ice as well. And I think young players, look, look Caloposo up there in age, uh, came back on a one-year deal this year. You've got some older players in the locker room that have been the voice that are looking to maybe, you know, usher on to the next group of the core players. And I think it's important that a player like Cousins uh, really has that feeling and uh, maybe carries it out on the ice. And maybe for some reason I have a, a feeling, and I don't know why, that I think they will respond well to this. I don't think anybody will be mad at him. Maybe, maybe the coach would. I don't know. Maybe he would prefer. Go ahead and say it, but say it in the locker room. Don't say it outside the locker room. Um, maybe he's fine with it because you'll hear me ask Don Granado, can you look at this that this might turn into a good thing for your team because your team may respond to his words saying he's right and we do have, we do have to change things and let's do it together as a team and go out there and play with some purpose in this game? Yeah, good, I think, for sure. I mean, I think Cousins, even though he's young in age, I think he has the ear of the room. What do you think, Paul? I mean, you know these oh, yeah. guys just as well as anybody. I Those think guys are encouraged to say anything yeah. they want in that room. If you have something to say, stand up and say it. And I would, pro- I would guess, I don't know, but I would guess he said it in the locker room too. Dylan Cousins is not afraid. He, he has a little bit of a temper. And if he has something that's bothering him, I don't think he's afraid to stand up and say something because they're encouraged to do that, whether they're young, whether they're old. As Kyle Posa said, we want to hear it, and then we want to all sit down and talk about it. So it's something that I'm sure, not sure, but I would guess was talked about in the locker room. And I know with the, when we look back at the really last teams of Sabres, teams that were good, Paul, they had the one-two punch of Drury and Briere, leadership captains-wise, and they had kind of had their own styles and their own lanes that they took. But I know you spoke highly of that team. I mean, one thing I remember we always did after losses when we would go down to the room afterwards, that whole team was there to talk, and they were there to held themselves accountable, even if it wasn't just the two captains, but everybody else was there. And I think through this decade plus now of this team not being good, trying to figure out maybe who is going to be hold themselves accountable for poor play, we've seen some inconsistency in leadership in that area for sure. I thought last night hearing that from Dylan Cousins, like to me that's a good sign. Kyle Oposo is not going to be on this team maybe after this season. I was just going to say. you're going to need more these young guys to be the next set of wave of leaders to maybe find that next drury Briere combination. And I think it's next year. I, yeah. I would be surprised if Kyle Oposo didn't retire after this year, and I would be surprised if Gergensen's is back. So there's two right there that other people are going to have to take over, whether it's Tuck, whether it's Cousins. Um, if Kyle Oposo retires, I would be shocked if uh, Rasmus Dahlin doesn't have a C on his jersey. I would pick Cousins, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say uh, Dahlin's a mistake. I think Dahlin would be as turned into an excellent leader. Yeah, and I think that you know, we talk about the, the, the next group of players taking over, and it, it starts with, with that, and the accountability is something we've sat here for years talking about, and it's one thing to talk about it. Uh, how many times do you sit here for a post game and players talk about wanting to play for 60 minutes? 
understanding it's one thing, going out and doing it is another. And I think that's what part of the frustration from the fan base. You know, take out the, the non-playoffs, but just the, the inconsistency on the ice and not feeling like the effort is always there, even though the, the, the recognition that it needed to be better. That, I think, is a lot of the frustration we've seen uh, from the fans over these, this, this decade or so of, of just not being uh, good enough. Sabres and Predators, our pregame roundtable. Brian Colziel, Paul Hamilton, Pat Malacaro, thanks for being with us here. We discussed the state of the team as the Sabres will be playing in their 25th game of the year tonight against the Predators, the lone visit of the season for Nashville here to Buffalo. Paul, this just I'll, I'll keep piling on the offensive topic here. I'll throw maybe two names offensively amongst the forwards that I think have taken a step either to continue their good play or have even advanced it. And I'll say that that's Middlestat and that's Paterka. I think everybody else, No. who else you want to throw in there? I don't want to put Middlestat in there. I think he has regressed a lot. You do. See, because statistically his numbers are up from where they were last year at this point. He is very capable. All he does is turn the puck over now. Have you noticed in the last five to ten games that's all he does? He gets gets to the blue line. And he tries to force passes through legs, through sticks, because he is such a gifted passer, he thinks he can do that. Well, I can get this through 3-6 to get this over to the wide-open guy. And part of it could be maybe because he has he has put up quite a bit of good offensive production. Maybe he, now he's thinking, I got a little bit yeah. more confidence to do that. When he played like he did last yeah. year, and when he plays like that, when he did last year, and that where, where they finished the season, where he was one of the better players in the National Hockey League. Yeah. But... I'm to a point now wondering if he will be re-signed. I'm getting to the point now, if he doesn't start improving, I think he the is answer le- is no. He is leading the Sabres in points. Is that really something I'd I'm be not, proud of? No, I'm saying he's leading the team in points <laughs> on a team that is struggling to, to score. Yeah, 21 so points in 24 just games. Just remember what you're looking to get rid of excite, here. Doesn't excite me. Well, they, they're, they're all not great. they got to start making room <laughs> for some of this talent that they've got that is has no room to get on the roster, uh, whether it's Kulik, whether it's, you know, Roseanne's, He's, he's playing in a spot where that's really not conducive for him to do well. And, and that was the same thing when Kulik was here. There was no room to put him in the top six. So, uh, you know, maybe they got to start making room for some of these guys and not giving Middlestad a big contract when he's so up and down. And it, it's, it's a constant fight with him where he doesn't want to shoot the puck because he wants to make the pretty play. But then he does shoot the puck, and you see what a great shot he has. And then he scores. And it's just it's just such a fight with him to get him to where he needs to be. Um, but I do agree with two. I think Paterka and Tuck are the ones. Uh, you know, once Tuck got going, he, he's gotten going, and, and I think has played very very well. I think when you look at the guys on the whole roster who have not regressed, Paterka, Tuck, Yokiharu, and Lukanen. I, I very quickly here. I don't see anybody else. Greenway, I think, has been better, too. Other than that, the whole team has regressed. Rasmus Dahlin's very good. Very good. I'm not saying he's awful by any means, but he needs to dominate. How many games has he dominated this year? Two, maybe? He had, In order for him to be Rasmus Dahlin and for the Sabres to be successful, Rasmus Dahlin has to dominate, and he's not. Middle step, by the way, making two and a half million this year. He'll be an RFA at the end of the season. And you know, we talk about JJ Paterka taking that next step. To me, that's one of the reasons why I sit here and think, man, the injury of Jack Quinn is such a a, a, a disappointment to, for, from the summer. Where what he built last year, he and Paterka together, where at certain points it felt like, okay, maybe they're going to have that rookie slump, and they both pulled themselves out of it very quickly. 
Quinn proved himself to be a very good playmaker on this team. And that's something they're missing right now. And, and that, that could have been another wave of offense that, that could have helped them in this stretch right now. And uh, hopefully uh, that, that progression back towards the lineup uh, continues the way it is right now and, and uh, could be you know sooner rather than later you see him. But I just think about how, how Paterka and Quinn were going to be two main keys of young talent taking another step. And, and you really you just haven't been able to see that because of injury. And don't lose sight of the fact through all this garbage hockey that we've watched this year, they're only four points out of a playoff spot. Yes. I mean, we're making it sound like they're 25 points out of a playoff spot, and they're not. Anytime that they want to go on a winning streak, they will vault themselves into the playoffs right now unless they get further behind. But right now it's four points. And you, you look at history a little bit. I know one season or another doesn't equate, but this is a team that last year put themselves behind the eight ball with that month of November. They didn't – they didn't have that month this year. Uh, maybe more spread out with the inconsistency to start the year. But you're right. If, if they can just start to pick off wins now and start playing a more consistent game, there's no reason they shouldn't be right back at a wild card spot you know, in a couple weeks. You've but got- it's, it's starting a little bit now. They've lost seven out of ten games. Now, it's not eight in a row where they got no points, but they have lost seven out of ten games. So it it's, it's starting to to turn on them, and they got to turn it around quick because if they don't, they will start falling out of this. To me, it's still all about the fact that they are not generating the offense that they did last year, Paul. They are not finishing plays. Their passing is atrocious in offensive end, and neutralized entries to try to get into the offensive end have been really, really poor. Last year, they were one of the best in the league at that. I mean, they're third in scoring by season's end. They're in the mid-20s right now. I mean, that's it's such a take, you know, such a take back. You look at some of the other statistical categories about possession time. They were in the top five this year. Now they're in the twenties again. Some of these other things about passing efficiency, top ten this year. They're in the twenties again. So all this adds up. Their power plays twenty fourth, fifth coming into tonight's game. A lot of that doesn't have to do with just the fact that Tage has been out for a and, couple and of Tage weeks. Tage Thompson has played sixteen games. Right. And they were bad, but when he was playing too. Yeah. Uh, so what Tage Thompson and Quinn being out of the line now makes it harder for them to straighten it out. But this inconsistency was going on with Tage Thompson in the lineup. So that's why when Don Granato brings up injuries, I'm not buying it. There, there are other times I did buy it. But last year was supposed to be a development year. And this is supposed to be a winning year. And it seems like the only one right now that has any awareness of what's going on in this team is Dylan Cousins. And I'll start with Terry Pagula, and we can go right down the line, whether it's Kevin Adams, whether it's it's like they're all in denial. It's like, boys, this is 24 games. This isn't just a two-game sample we're talking about here. Your team is awful, and they're awful on most nights, and sometimes they find a way to win. If you think that this group is going to pull it out, I think you're all dead wrong as, as far as if Adams and those guys think these are the guys that are going to pull it off. They have given no indication whatsoever that they're the guys to pull it off. Have you, Paul, through your experiences in watching practice or enough through games, has there been a change in philosophy from Don Granato about his no. offensive attack no. and what they want to do? No. So it's, then, it's the guys. It's the same yeah. guys. And I will tell you, I will, I'm man enough to admit it, I was naive about the whole thing. I thought they could repeat their career years last year. As Craig Reve said to me when I was on his podcast, that's why they're called career years because they can't, a lot of guys can't repeat them. 
But I thought, well, these are young guys. Cousins will do better. They'll all do better. You know, Thompson will be a 50-goal scorer and, you know, the whole thing. Uh, the only thing I was right about is you don't give up on a 24-year-old goaltender. But, you know, I maybe was naive thinking that they, they could repeat what they did because there's not too many on this roster right now that are repeating it. And I'm just I'm surprised that there are players that haven't taken another step, and maybe it's just because of the role they're in. But to me, Peyton Krebs, and I love what he brings to the game. I love the physicality and the, and the, and the aggressiveness. But for him to not have a goal for the first month or so of the year – was a surprise to me. I, I, I looked at him as a player of, say, thinking some players will get close to their totals from last year but not reach it. Krebs would be a player that could pick up some of that slack. And to have not have that so far, you know, again, maybe it's an indication of the line that he's been on and just not during the offense, and that's partly on him as well. But that is a surprise to me of, of a player that hasn't taken another step. I still don't think this team, and I've told you this many times, is constructed the right way. I still think you got to have a top six of talented forwards. And then you got to have a line similar to that Islander line, a Sezikis and Clutterbuck and Martin that are hard to play against but can contribute to the offense. I'm not talking about hitting. Hitting does not win in the NHL. People, I will repeat myself. Hitting is proven, does not win in the NHL. The teams that hit the most are the teams that are worst in the league. But there's a difference between being hard to play against and hitting. And the Sabres are not hard to play against. And they need a group of guys like that to play on one of their lines that other teams are like, oh, I don't want to play against them. I mean, are you kidding me? And not just guys that don't have any points. Guys that can score you 10 goals or something like that and can contribute to your team. This team is not constructed right. And it, 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 and it, I, I don't think – I think they're going to spin their wheels until it is. And you, So you're not even seeing, like – hey, if you put these three together, there's that line that you're asking for. You don't even see it with this roster. No, what I did right see, though, when Greenway, I was surprised that both Gergensons and Oposo were signed. I thought one would be. I was very surprised they both were. Now, last year, that line was, I think, the second-best defensive line in the NHL. Well, I, last I heard, or last I read, I believe they were the, the worst line in the NHL, and they played like it. And then Gergensen's went out and Greenway went on that line, and it's like, wow. All of a sudden, Krebs was Krebs again. All of a sudden, Oposo was Oposo again. All of a sudden, Greenway's getting in there, and they're getting turnovers. That St. Louis game, they by far were the best line, and Krebs had two, one point coming into the game. He had two points in that game. Oposo was on a three- or four-game goal streak, and it, it was just the difference having Greenway on that line. And it, it perked those guys up a little bit. So I think you've got maybe one of the guys in Greenway that I'm talking about for that line. I'm, you know, Krebs, I just don't know what to think because he is a gifted passer. But where are you going to put him in your top six? I mean, there's people who aren't even here yet. I think they're going to be in your top six before Krebs. So, but he's not exactly the guy I'm thinking for for this line either. Now, maybe you could put him, uh, maybe if you find a number three center, you can make him your number four center and put him in a checking role where he checks the other teams, which is kind of what he is now. But they need to get guys like that Islander line. Uh, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Before they won the Stanley Cup, they got swept by Columbus. Why? It was all talent. That's all they had. And they realized it. So they went out and got guys like Maroon. And uh, I can't think of the, the centermen that they got. And then they won Cups. Because they they had a line that was hard to play. They didn't get rid of their talent. They kept the talent. 
but they got a line that could that could mesh with that talent, and they they became hard to play against in a team that could win Stanley Cups. And the moves that Kevin Adams did make this offseason, Pat, the the inclusion of the two defensemen, Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton, uh, I'm I'm sure Eric Johnson has had value in the room. In fact, every time I hear an interview with him, I feel like he said something that you'd say, yes, that's why he's here. On the ice, I'll say ho-hum with him. And Connor Clifton on the ice has been very, very poor. In fact, I think you could, I don't know if the word bust of a signing is in that category here, but I'm willing to throw that out there. I did, I did say when he was signed that he was a healthy scratch for the Bruins in the playoffs and going into the end of the season. Now, the Boston Bruins have a lot better defense than the Sabres do, so maybe it's a little easier to be a healthy scratch there. But they thought that Don Granado could straighten him out. It has not happened. And they had a prior connection, too, I believe, yep. right? Yeah, at the U.S. Pro- program. Right, which has been a common thing that Don Granado has been a lot of player that he's worked with in the past, and uh, maybe that is a reason for thinking that maybe it could turn around. To me, the whole reason you bring in Eric Johnson is because he was a Stanley Cup winner. It's because of what he's gone through in his career as well. And I go back to him being a number one overall pick. And it wasn't until he was traded from St. Louis to Colorado where he developed into the player, the defenseman that he is. So it's all that experience, another added voice that has a Stanley Cup within the last two years to a team that should be making a push for the playoffs. To me, that's 100% that. Uh, I thought both that would be good, a good signing, but it hasn't worked out. Yeah. It really hasn't. Four of the next five are in this building. We don't have to sit here and talk about how they haven't won at home. But, Paul, the teams they play at home, Nashville, Detroit, Montreal, and Arizona. The opportunity is there for them if they want to get the season back going in the right direction. I know you have a road game in Boston in there, but you've got four games at home on paper that can be very winnable here. Here's the opportunity in the window, I think, if they want to take it. But I hate to tell you, Arizona's a good team this year. I mean, they, they're beating some good teams, and if you look at the standings, they're, they're a good team this year. So the, that Arizona game, is, is it, playing Arizona is not a freebie anymore. Matter of fact, right now, I can say with 100% conviction, Arizona's a better team than Buffalo is right now. Um, I wouldn't have said that to start the year, but I, they've passed the Sabres, and the Sabres don't look like anything that they're, they're going to catch up anytime soon. Are there any freebies on the schedule, Pat? I guess the Sabres can't look at it that way, can they? No. I mean, you look at Detroit. I mean, that's a team that you were neck and neck with, and that you both were developing, building towards something, and the Red Wings are getting there. And now they've just added, uh, you know, one of the best goal scorers of the last decade as well to, to bolster their offense. Uh, and he'll join the team very soon in Patrick Kane. So you've got a team that already went out and got Alex Dabrinkit, and they've been building. And this is the next step for them. What we're talking about what the Sabres need to do is what the Red Wings have done all year. And their next five road games are against the Bruins, the Avalanche, the Knights, the Golden Knights, the Coyotes, and the Rangers. There's a pretty good chance they won't win any of them. There's a pretty good chance they go on five in that. In that, they did beat the Rangers on the road. Yeah, maybe they did beat Colorado at home. Maybe they'll find out a way a way to beat one of them. But yeah, they probably won't lose all five. But on paper, they should they should lose all five easily. Yeah, we'll see how, what actually happens in the games. Well, tonight it's the Sabers and the Predators. I want to thank Paul Hamilton and Pat Malacaro. Hope you enjoyed that roundtable. Thank you, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Don Granado. We just spoke with Paul. And the media, just a little bit a half hour ago, we'll have that conversation. 
as we get you ready for puck drop here. Your drive to the game brought to you by Panic Chevrolet with you for the extra mile. More pregame coming up from the press box here at KeyBank Center right after this on the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 